Our New Testament scripture reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It's at page 159 of the New Testament section of your pew Bibles, but you all know it by heart by now. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We celebrate the written word of scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. Great God, may we hear your word to us in these words and in the words we sing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have long had the theory that most Christians get their theology from the hymnal. The people believe what they sing in church. In fact, hymns are theology. They are words about God. As the quotation on your bulletin cover points out, the hymns of the church are perhaps its finest commentary on faith and practice outside the scripture. This is at least in part because they are familiar. Over a lifetime of worshiping in the church, We sing many hymns again and again, and we remember what we sing. That's why we all learned the alphabet by singing the ABC song. That's why you still remember many of the words to songs you listened to on the radio in high school, even if you can't remember a thing about what you learned in your senior economics class. The thing is, the theology in hymns can be good or bad, perceptive, or trite, well-meaning or wrong-headed, and may or may not affirm biblical theology and the church tradition. If you've wondered why some hymns disappear when the church decides to publish a new hymnal, it's because some of those old hymns, even old favorites, contain some pretty appalling theology. In the garden, for example, a sentimental favorite of a couple of generations ago. It begins, I come to the garden alone. The refrain then describes how Jesus walks and talks with me, how he tells me I am his own, and concludes, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Really? None other? I don't think so, and neither did the Presbyterian Hymnal Committee. As one pastor commented, in the garden has done the worst in fostering the I-me-myself version of Protestantism in our country. So taking an in-depth look at the hymns we sing is actually important theological study, and that is the study that we're undertaking this summer. We're looking at some of our best-loved hymns, and the scripture passages that inspired them. We'll look at a bit of the history of those hymns, and of course, we'll sing them. We begin this morning with a look at one of my personal favorites, Now Thank We All Our God. It's number 555 in the Presbyterian Hymnal. We often sing this hymn at Thanksgiving, but it was not written as a Thanksgiving or Harvest Celebration hymn. It's much older than our American Thanksgiving holiday. The composer of the lyrics, Martin Rinkert, 
returned to his own hometown, Eilenburg, Germany, in 1618, to serve as the pastor of the Lutheran Church there. The Thirty Years' War was just beginning, a war that turned out to be one of the longest and most destructive conflicts in European history. It began largely and embarrassingly as a religious conflict between Protestants and Catholics in the Holy Roman Empire, but it gradually developed into a more general conflict involving most of Europe. As a walled city, Eilenburg became overcrowded with people seeking safety, including political and military military refugees. The inhabitants suffered from epidemic and famine. Armies overran the town three times, leaving death and destruction in their wake. The Rinkert home served as a refuge for the afflicted, even when Rinkert struggled to make ends meet for his own family. Yet, while living in a world dominated by death, disease, and war, Rinkert wrote this timeless table grace for his children. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. The three verses of the hymn were put to Johann Kruger's music sometime before 1647 and translated lovingly into English by Catherine Winkworth in 1858. But without the background, without knowing about Rinkert's life and times, you'd miss the fact that this is a hymn about a different kind of gratitude, the kind that can include our circumstances, certainly, but isn't limited by them. You and I may not have to deal with bubonic plague or invading armies, but everyone bumps, hits the bumps in the road of life, and most people eventually encounter real tragedy. We go through hard times. We go through difficult seasons. We lose loved ones. And yet, writes the Apostle Paul in his advice to the Thessalonians on the Christian life, we are to give thanks in all circumstances. How does this work? Maybe it begins with noticing that God has done wondrous things, as Rinkert puts it. Psalm 147 reminds us that God created everything and continues to sustain everything. God sends rain and makes the grass grow and keeps it all going. And this creation is gratuitous. It's all a free gift from God. It cannot and need not be earned. God didn't have to create anything at all, let alone create us to be able to feel the wind on our faces or smell the bay laurel trees, or taste salted caramels, or hear the foray requiem. And we don't have to be able to participate in every delight to marvel at the whole package. I can't pitch a perfect game like Nat Kane, or play the guitar like Eric Clapton, but the fact that they can blesses us all. 
The appropriate response, says Psalm 147, is thanks and praise. We, God's creatures, are blessed with countless gifts of love. And Rinkert points to the blessing behind that blessing. Verse 2 of the hymn is a prayer for God's continued care, for, for guidance and to be kept free of all ills. But ill-free or not, in verse 3, Rinkert concludes with a grand doxology of praise to God who was and is and shall be evermore. Ultimately, regardless of disease, regardless of the wars that humans bring about or other bumps or tragedies, we are in God's care. Certainly we hope to thrive. We may hope to be free from all ills or for our current situation to improve, but our ultimate hope is in God who continues to weave wonders of mystery and grace out of even the worst of circumstances in ways we can't anticipate and may not comprehend. Our ultimate hope is in God, who promises to love and care for the whole of creation, and who calls and empowers us to love it and care for it as well. We see in Rinkert how this kind of gratitude works to empower and to transform us. At the beginning of 1637, which was known as the Year of the Great Pestilence, there were four ministers in Eilenburg. One of them abandoned his post for a healthier environment and couldn't be persuaded to return. Rinkart officiated at the funerals of the other two. As the only pastor left in Eilenburg, he conducted funerals for as many as 40 to 50 people a day some 4,480 in all, and in May of that year, his wife died. When you understand that everything is a gift from God, the way Rinkart and Paul and the psalmist do, when you understand that in life and in death we belong to God, when you see yourself and every person and everything else as part of a whole, as part of God's whole beloved creation, then your gratitude is not entirely dependent on what you have or don't have yourself or what does or doesn't happen to you. Rinkert's faith was the opposite of an I-me-myself faith. It stands in opposition to the cultural context that Paul faced in his letter to the Thessalonians and which we still face today with almost everyone out for him or herself. God created us, loves us, accepts us, all of us, and the faithful response is to give thanks but also to be good stewards, to care for and share God's gifts because they are not meant for us alone, and to love what God loves, which is everything. There's a story about a preacher who went to his pulpit, and 100 faces looked up, and in those faces, the entire world was captured. As he began to speak, he smiled, the smile of those who see but do not understand. 
let us give thanks. And 100 voices murmured, Amen, but there was no joy in their response. Let us give thanks for our bodies, for legs that run, for ears that hear, for ears that hear songs, for eyes that see beauty, for arms that hug and hands that hold. Sadly, without a word, ten people left the service. Those who were blind, or deaf, or crippled, or paralyzed, or without a limb, or who lived in constant pain, or with a crippling disease. The preacher continued, Let us give thanks for the comforts of this world and for the rivers of wealth that have flowed on us. And another ten left, those suffering from malnutrition, those who saw their children die of starvation, and those without adequate resources to protect against the winter cold. But the preacher saw none of this. He went on, Let us give thanks for our wonderful minds, through which we understand art and science, and with which we probe the mysteries of the universe. And several people of average intelligence blushed, and a mentally impaired boy looked bewildered, and a brain-damaged girl stared blankly. But another ten walked out the door. And the preacher continued thanking God for friends, for beauty and health, the health of the worshippers' bodies, and for correct behavior, peace, for justice, and for family, and ten by ten they left. Those who knew they were less than virtuous, those who were the victims of injustice or war, the lonely, those alienated from family. Then the preacher looked at the congregation and saw that no one was left. Oh Lord, he prayed, where have they gone? And he heard an answer. You have exalted what I never promised. When did I promise friendships, perfect health, justice, peace? Remember my servant Job. Remember my son, Jesus. Then, Lord, said the preacher, what do you give us? Myself, answered God. And the preacher ran to the doorway of the church, and there, sitting outside in the shadows, were the 100. Oh, my friends, I have deceived you. We may have health, we may have friends, we may have justice, but what we can count on having, no matter what, is God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Reaching for each other's hands, they all came back inside. Once again, the preacher came to the pulpit. Let us give thanks that God, Almighty God, the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, is with us, is ours, and we are God's world without end. And 100 voices cried out with joy, Amen, 